One of my favorite things is after a show, if there's a group, uh, someone will go, oh, we loved it, we loved it. And someone will go, and you're so clean. And someone, <laughs> someone else in the same group will go, no, he wasn't. And then they go, <laughs> and then they go oh, you were. Like, and oh, I liked so it. Funny. It's like It's like I tricked them, you know? Right. To me, that's like. Your clean trick. Yeah. I'm, I don't like clean comedians, uh, but some, for some reason, I laughed at you. It's the Ryan Hamilton <laughs> clean trick. <laughs> That is the voice of the great Ryan Hamilton. Oh, man. Every now and then, on Working It Out, we have a guest who, first of all, he just doesn't do a lot of podcasts. He, he, uh, he's a great comedian. He's a friend of mine. He's someone I've known for a long time. One of the comedians and joke writers who I respect most in this whole game. So I was thrilled that he was coming on. We had a fascinating conversation today uh, about all kinds of things. He's a clean comedian. He's actually like, it's not because he's clean that I recommend his special happy face on Netflix a lot to folks. People ask me for recs, for comedy specials. It's always in my top five of recommendations because it's so well written, such great jokes, and it's clean, which, you know, for me, it's like, it just means that less people are going to have objections to it. <laughs> and so it's, a, it's sort of a, it's sort of like an evergreen recommendation for me. Um, one of the reasons that this episode I, I think is so exciting today is that we, we really crack into material he's working on right now about a, a really, really, really intense uh, accident he had in the last year that was awful. But he's making comedy of it, which I always love to see, especially from someone as talented as he is. Um, Ryan is, uh, he is a hen, he's a hen-selected opening act for Jerry Seinfeld. He's, you know, this spring he'll be at, at the uh, Beacon Theater with Jerry Seinfeld. Coming up, he has dates in Boston at the Wilbur, which if you're, if you're near Boston, go see him at the Wilbur. Um, he'll be at Steel Stacks in Bethlehem, which I love Steel Stacks in Bethlehem uh, this week. Um, and all kinds of dates. He's going to be uh, in Milwaukee and Aspen and, and uh, all kinds of, 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 of places. It, oh, oh, I should mention that we talk about this on the show today, but I am he's from Idaho. He does a lot of shows in Idaho and Salt Lake City and, and in Utah. Um, I'm going to be in Salt Lake City as well. Uh, I'm going to be at Kingsbury Hall, uh, March 17th, and the night before that, I'll be in Mesa, Arizona. Those were both makeup dates from the fall when the show went to Broadway. We moved them to this spring. Uh, get tickets now. Also, there's just there's about to be a bunch of new uh, dates of mine going up, maybe some overseas stuff. Join the mailing list on verbigs.com. That is how you find out. And enjoy my conversation with the great... Ryan Hamilton. You came to the show, and I have a joke. I have a joke in the show about getting hit by a bus, and how basically the cliche: anybody could be hit by a bus, which is true. You were hit by a bus, and you thankfully you're okay. But you've been talking about it on stage. But when, yeah. I, when you were in the audience, I was like, wait. <laughs> Should I, maybe should I cut this out? It's so funny that you say that because I was in the audience going, I'm 90% sure he just had a thought about me. Because oh I, I know that <laughs> you knew that I was in the audience. 
And I just know how it is on stage and you're thinking about who's in the audience. Yeah. And that's just been such a prominent part of my life and we've oh talked gosh, about it. Yeah. So it's funny that you say that because we both there was a, a microsecond where we both were like we had a bus. moment. <laughs> well, it's funny because that's what fundamentally like the discussion in culture is of a, like trigger warnings is like what if someone experienced the exact thing that you're saying? Right. I'm joking about being hit by a bus. You were actually hit right. by a bus. Right. I hadn't heard the joke before, so I was going. <laughs> I was like, where where are we going to overlap? But we didn't. No. Uh, yeah, there's nothing. I don't think there's anything. No, your stuff is your stuff is your new stuff about your experiences was is gorgeous. I've seen some of it at Cellar and super super funny and very honest. Like I think in some ways you had this awful awful. I mean, like really like nightmare situation where you were hit by a like a shuttle bus. I want to say. Yeah. Is that how you describe That's it? Right. Yes. In Los Angeles. Yes. But the doctor's prognosis at the outset was bad. Well, yes, there was. I mean, I think they were, you know, they didn't think I was going to die or anything like that. Yeah. But it was a bad break, a compound fracture, I think is the term. The bone came out of the arm, and we had to put a titanium plate in there. Oh, my gosh. And it was a clean break. So I think they were confident about the surgery. There was one. Wait, when you say it came out. The yeah. bone came out of the socket? It broke here, right in okay. the middle of my, between my elbow and my shoulder. Um, humerus bone, they call it. And it came out of the front, like where my, like near where you would, there's a scar where my bicep would be. Wow. I didn't know about it. I was wearing a jacket. It didn't come out far. It's pretty have you made graphic. A, have you made a pun joke about it being humorous? <laughs> You know, <laughs> the worst joke I considered. <laughs> I considered. That's always the funny conversation you have with comedians when they pitch you jokes that are not great. You go, Yeah, I thought about that. I thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> pitch you tags. Your special from Netflix, I want to say, came out four years ago. Five. Five years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's so good. I watched it again and laughed. Again, like I, it's one of those specials I recommend to people all the time. Oh, that's nice. Because, well, one of the things that's interesting about you as a comic is like, you're so clever, you're such a great writer and performer, and you're clean, which is notable. I think I experienced this for a period of my career early on. I was clean entirely. And then I did wrote Thank God for Jokes. And fundamentally, that was about the nature of jokes. And so I was oh, talking right. about curse words. Right. And then actually, I had a funny thing in Utah, which is I, I did a show, and I know you're huge in Utah, but it's like I did a show in Utah, and it was the Thank God for Jokes tour. And all of a sudden, word was out that Mike's not clean anymore. It was like, it was like Dylan, <laughs> Dylan went electric. I relate to that because. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I'm not that I have done that, but I'm scared. I don't know what I would do, but it's like I do sense that I someday could betray people who like me. That's interesting. (laughs) I don't think I would. I don't know what it would be, but I have that sense that, you know, because there are people who come to the show because they know it's clean. 100%. They like you. They're a fan of your comedy, but they also, that's a big, you know, if you're going to take a piece of the pie, like why are they coming? Like half of it is because... They just don't have to worry about it not yeah. being clean, which I'm happy to have anybody at my show who wants to enjoy it. I'm of course. Happy. Yeah. yeah. So um, 
But that's not always, you know, I just, it just comes out of me that way. That's, you know, it just is like, I'm not, I'm not making a decision to be clean or not clean generally. I mean, it just kind of comes well, out. Yeah, I started it as, you know, I consider myself a writer. I think of it as a word choice. You're mm-hmm. not using a curse yeah. word more than any other word, right. you know. So like comedians who people would consider dirty use the F word or C word or whatever, like 25 times <laughs> in a show. And and I would say if you, you know, if you use the word marshmallow 25 times, you go, what's with this guy in marshmallows? <laughs> that would be really weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how I think, that's how I think of curse yeah, words. Though. Yeah, yeah. That's why I don't curse. Right. It's my word choice. Right. Yeah, but it's a weird thing because one of the, so one of the things, reasons I recommend you always when people ask for comedy special recommendations is because you're clean, it's a wider swath of people who I know for sure will love it. Like I don't think I've ever recommended your special and had someone say I didn't like it. (laughs) That's nice. That's amazing. (laughs) That's nice. That's amazing hit ratio. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite things is after a show, if there's a group, uh, someone will go, oh, we loved it, we loved it. And someone will go, and you're so clean. And someone, <laughs> someone else in the same group will go, no, he wasn't. And then they go, <laughs> and then they go, oh, you were like, and oh, I liked so it. Funny. It's like it's like I tricked them, you know. Right. To me, that's like your clean trick. Yeah, I'm, I don't like clean comedians, uh, but some Ryan. for some reason I laughed at you. It's the Ryan Hamilton <laughs> clean trick. <laughs> so that always makes me go, oh, I'm doing my job because I want to, I want to, I don't know. I want people to feel good. I want people to laugh. I want people. I'm I'm not um, picking a specific audience necessarily, but I do get like. I'll often have three generations at my show. Yes, <laughs> you know, grandmother. I love that kids and their. It's like kids. my favorite thing. Yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah, yeah. I always say my shows are for twelve through one hundred and twelve. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's interesting watching you at the Comedy Cellar because by virtue of the bus accident was so serious. You talking about it brings out a different side of you. Yeah. Like I think it's a more it's more like talking to you sitting at the table at the comedy cellar than you seeing you perform. Yeah. I was working on this I could never really get it to work, but this one of the first ideas I had when I really it took me months but I before I could really start thinking about this, but when I was started thinking about one of the first thoughts I had was, I'm not this kind of comedian. I don't know how to do this. Like I'm the kind of comedian who gets hit by a bus and has like five minutes on hood ornaments or something, (laughs) you know, like it's like, I'm like, I'm not a trauma comedian. Oh my gosh. But this was like an exception or something. And it forced me to talk about something that I normally wouldn't get this personal with, you know. I'm not that kind of comedian. It's so funny. I relate to that so much because when I wrote my girlfriend's boyfriend about 10 years ago, I, it was the first time where I did, uh, I acted out the scrambler at the carnival. And when I wrote the bit, it was like, well, the only way to convey what's <laughs> happening <laughs> is to act out the scrambler. I mean, how could you possibly, other than just going like... <laughs> He's up the right, you know, and, right. and and it was a it was actually a hugely seminal artistic moment for me because I was like, oh, I have to, I at a certain point I got to let go of who I think I am, and just right. be who I am. Yeah, right. 
Do you feel like that with the bus stuff? Yeah, I do. I feel like it. It. Um, I mean, I've I've written it in a way that it feels like the rhythms and everything are all the same as I've always done. Yeah, but it's deeper. The content's a little deeper, yeah. and it's more personal, and it's relating to people in a way that I haven't really had material relate to people. Not that there are a lot of people who've been hit by a bus, but it's just when you talk about trauma and these kinds of uh, situations, everybody has one of these moments in their life. Yeah, of course. And so they just go there. And so I think it... It's something I haven't really experienced in my stand-up yet with my audience. This is the first time. So I think it is different, yeah. Have you found that comedy audiences are more open-minded to any type of comedy than you think, than you would assume? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Because I found that when I talked about jump, sleepwalking through a window, I was like, oh, they're like game for this. Yeah. I was like, this is going to be too much for them. Right. And they're like, no, no, they're in. Isn't it weird? It's kind of like, well, I don't know why we have this um, wall up to go against getting specific about our lives. But it's like in the specificity is where people really relate because I've never jumped out of a window. But yeah. I, I, I go, oh, I have health problems. I have issues that I've had to – that's where I go. And so you just kind of like – Yeah. It, you have to get specific. So you grew up in Idaho in like this kind of famously small town, like thousand people. Yeah. You talk about it in your special. Yeah, yeah. Is it all Mormon? No. It's it's I don't know, maybe half a little more than half. Yeah. So there's Methodist, Lutheran, Mormon. Yeah, there's a mix. Chris Red was on the podcast and we talked about how in Salt Lake City, it's like one of the best comedy towns, I yeah. think arguably in the world. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. Yeah. Like, and I'm I'm gonna be there at Kingsbury Hall in March, and like I love going there. I love yeah. going there. and whenever or I, and Chris Chris was saying this too. Whenever we go, we always talk to Mormons. Yeah, and we always like to. What's going on? Tell <laughs> tell me about the religion. I want to understand this, you know, because it's 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 so outside of people who aren't Mormons. It's it's typically so outside of what we understand as yeah. or what we were raised as i was raised right. catholic for example and but we our experience was mormons have pretty good sense of humor and since i said that on the podcast i've gotten emails saying not true uh or <laughs> true people people can have conflicting opinions about that where do you do you think that mormons have a good sense of humor about the religion i do yeah i do one example is um i always thought this was interesting that you know, uh, Book of Mormon, when it came out on Broadway, it was like Mormonism was having this moment, <laughs> yeah. you know. Mitt Romney was running for right, president. Right, right, right. And it was like, what is Mormons this Mormons are coming thing? up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and the church ran an ad in the playbill that said the book is always better. Yes. And it was like, that's That's pretty good smart. joke. Yeah, it's a, a good, good joke. joke. Decent yeah. joke, right? And it's yeah. like, they they didn't take offense to it. yeah. They didn't go against the grain. They didn't come out and say there's a lot of stuff in here that, you know, we need yeah. to defend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just go. The book is always kind better. Of, they yes and it. They yes the and book it. is always better is a five-word joke. <laughs> and you know as a joke writer, that's a good joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
So I don't know. I think uh, I think if uh, sh- there's all sorts of people in every religion, but I think that they're pretty good audience. The uh, oh, while I'm, but do you have any recs by the way? Salt Lake City. While I'm there, uh, things that I might not know to look up because um, you've played there so much. Well, I mean. You would know this, but just for your listeners, Wise Guys is one of the best comedy oh. clubs in the country. Oh, my God. It's crazy. People yeah. don't expect it to hear that, but amongst comedians, we all know. Oh, we all know. Denver yeah. Comedy Works is like yeah. that. There's a handful yeah. of them There's that are- There's a handful of them. That yeah. for whatever reason, the alchemy yeah. of the people in the city, the way they run the club, yeah. the height of the ceilings. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, they really care there and and- the shows are fantastic. They bring in good comedians. So that's one thing. I mean, um, it's just a beautiful place. Anytime you can get outdoors, it's yeah. gorgeous there. You know, it's so unique because you can get up into the mountains so quickly from mm-hmm. downtown. Yeah. Which is like, I think you can get to like five different ski resorts within 45 minutes or yeah. an hour or something like that. Yeah. It's really unique. So that just take advantage of that in yeah. the winter or the summer. Temple Square for the history is really interesting. Just yes. The temple, the, the when they came across the plains as pioneers, built this temple in the middle of the desert. Yeah, and it's still erect and stands, and be- it's beautiful. When you do, you ever play? <laughs> it doesn't seem possible. Do you ever play your town you grew up in and thousand people? <laughs> you'd have to. You'd need all half the town to show up. It's not really possible. I don't think. <laughs> I mean, it's it would be hard. I have done things like I spoke at my high school graduation. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah, so I've gone back and done a few things. But I I do a show um, in uh, one of two cities. Actually, I have a date coming up in March in Rexburg, Idaho, which is 30 miles away, and Idaho Falls, Idaho, I did over Thanksgiving. And that's as close as it gets to me coming okay. home to do right. a show. Right. So you, were, you grew up in Idaho, and then was college radio your first time breaking into comedy or like talking at length? Yeah, exactly. I I was going to be a journalist. I had a little radio show in college and some of us were interested in stand-up. So we did a remote for our radio show at a little pizza place. And Where was, was this? It was in Rexburg, Idaho. Rexburg, Idaho. I went to okay. a small junior college there and um, transferred later uh, to Brigham Young University in Utah. But um, we did stand up in a pizza place. None of us had ever even been to a comedy show. I love we it. We just tried it, you know, and it was broadcast on our little, we did that like four times. That was the first time I did comedy. Yeah. I love that as as an example for people listening, because I feel like often like creatives listen to the show. There's mm-hmm. a lot of the questions is like, you know, I had Mark Forrester, the movie director on, and I always said like, what's step one for being a movie director? If you want to right. write movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and with stand-up comedy, I get that question a lot. What's your step yeah. one? When I was in college, we, me and my friend uh, Michael, we uh, took the coffee shop that was in the student center, <laughs> created yeah. like a comedy night yeah. in it. Yeah. For With like a little microphone and an amp yeah. and like 20 yeah. people watching, yeah. maybe 10. Yeah. yeah. And it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> We learned a lot. Yes. (laughs) And maybe it was terrible. I don't know. It doesn't matter, though. Yeah, yeah. I think things are a little different now. But when I was growing up in such a rural place, I didn't have access to anything. Everything I was interested in, there was nothing like 
you know, I wanted to be a newspaper humor columnist is what I really sure. wanted to be. <laughs> I had that aspiration when I was in high school. Did you? Yeah. 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 So I called the, uh, the county newspaper when I was like 14 years. We didn't even have a school newspaper or anything like that. For people listening, newspapers are like these broad Yes, sheets. exactly. It's you, so hard to explain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they just said, actually, I, I kind of do this as a joke when I'm in Idaho. I just said, when you're in Idaho growing up in the 90s and you call the newspaper and ask if you can have a column, they just say, yes, yes, you can. That's so funny. And I just wrote that all through high school. And that was like my first kind of foray into like trying to be funny publicly. Yeah. yeah. But there was nothing... There was no, there was like, we did a high school musical once a year, but that was really the closest thing that there was to me. One of the things I love about your special is that you really trash New York <laughs> City, which I love because I feel like there's a lot of New York City kind of exceptionalism. Yeah. And I live in New York. I've lived yeah. here, I'm a New Yorker. I've lived here 20 years plus, 22 years. But there is, it's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I love New York too, but I do always feel underrepresented here or something. It's just like, it's like we're all different here, but nobody understands where I'm from here. None of my friends get where I'm from. Yeah. No amount of explaining. They can't understand it, you know. And I, it was, I intentionally, they wanted to do my special out of New York. And I said, no, I have to do it in New York because. Yeah. I can't do these jokes about New York for the special right. unless it's in front of New Yorkers. Right. And that just gave it a little more power. Well, yeah, but it's funny because you have this joke where you go, like, <laughs> the, uh, if you can make it anywhere, this the Sinatra song. If you can make it yeah. here, you can make it anywhere. And it's like, and you go, no, <laughs> not true. I think that's <laughs> so true. I just, is like. <laughs> it's a ridiculous concept even. Yeah, yeah. What do you mean? Like, yeah, you could make it. As another advertising executive <laughs> in Chicago, is that what you mean? <laughs> right, like, if, like, could you make it in Abilene, Texas? Because I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, I'm not convinced of this. Like, do yeah. you grow wheat? Do you know the first thing about farming or or, or uh, raising yeah. cattle? Nothing. No. Nothing. No. You, don't you know couldn't. Anything. Yeah. You take yeah. the subway. Yeah. Subway's the easiest form yeah. of transportation. Yeah, yeah. And uh and and that's that's uh I I love that your special hits that. Now I'm kind of doing I have some jokes about it in a different like kind of like almost the opposite direction. It still has perspective because this is true. I I love New York, but when I come back, it's not my default setting. I don't know if it ever will be. It's like Oh, yeah. It's like and so there is this like every time I come back there's a little like and I get this, I have to get back into the rhythm of this city, and it's not my default setting. My chest starts to tighten up, my thoughts start to whirl, I oh, say. Wow. And then I go, it's like getting into double dutch, you know? It's like I can oh see gosh. it coming. I'm going to New York, I'm oh, going to New York. That. And then it's like you're in it, and you're, right. you're, you're like doing it. You're right. like, you know, <laughs> you're like, I don't have any money. Hold the door. Oh, my God. I go, uh, I go, uh, <laughs> Uh, this is a two-bedroom? Are you out of your mind? You know, it's just like all these things of New York that you're just in. That is so funny. Double Dutch is a phenomenal <laughs> turn of phrase. Life is kind of like one rope. 
right. jump rope. Right. And then New York is like, two ropes. This is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is happening? What is happening? I can't believe I'm doing it. It's That's like, how it feels. You're yeah. in Seattle. You're in New York. <laughs> That's a great joke. Oh, good. I love that. Thanks. Have you been doing it? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been doing that stuff because I just, I have this bus stuff that like takes up the whole set when I'm in the city now and I'm trying to tweak little things. It's a weird thing. It would be interesting to talk to you more about this, but we have a little, but like the length of the set, I don't know how to work that out in the city. Because it's like, I've never had a thing where I'm like, I need an hour to work this out. Yeah. It's like hard. Yeah, it's like I think that what you should consider doing is some hours at the cellar's mm-hmm. uh, fat black pussycat, which is around the corner where it's like, you know, 60 people in a room or yeah. 80 people, and just see how a full bus hour would go. Yeah. Because I think that could be fascinating. Yeah. Obviously, like Sleepwalk With Me and some of my other shows are based on this idea of like, you start with the single story of I jumped through, you know, a few years ago, I was in Walla Walla, Washington, blah, blah, blah. And then along the way, I jut out to a digression here, a digression here. I keep coming back to the central story. Right, right. But I feel like the bus story is so ripe for that. Yeah. It's like the perfect story because, first of all, it's got majorly high stakes. It's also like a curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is very strange. Like it's one of those things yeah. where – People lie in bed at night thinking, what would happen if I got hit by a bus? It's so weird that it's just the thing that people go to. Like, it's like the hypothetical death that people grab onto. Like, yeah, yeah, I talk about that in the joke, you know. It's like, you don't know, you might walk out of your house tomorrow and get hit by a bus. That's what people say. And that's what happened to me. (laughs) But I don't think they actually mean get hit by a bus. And then I say, but I'm here to tell you. Live your life. (laughs) (laughs) Live your life. But most of my set is about health now, so it's all kind of like one topic. Yeah. But like I get into it by talking about the insurance struggle. Yeah. (laughs) And then it's oh my gosh. And then it's into like other that that kind of feels like I can go into more broader mundane kind of top not mundane but broader topics. Well, it's funny you you go through the insurance thing. I you know I had bladder cancer when I was 20. I talk about it in the Sleepwalk mm-hmm. with me and, and in Old Man in the Pool too. But I've never even talked about this on stage. The insurance thing, that's a whole hour. Oh, man, it's crazy. It I, is I, wild. I, I have periods in my 20s because I'm a self-employed person. Yeah, I had no health insurance. Yeah, I have cancer. <laughs> what am I going to do, wing it? <laughs> Wow. You know what I mean? You didn't have health insurance when that was going no, on? No, no. Oh there was a gosh. period of time I didn't wow. have health. I had lapses. Right, right. Like I was under my parents' insurance for yeah, a bit, yeah. but then it lapsed, and then right. I was like, ah. Yeah. And then like, I remember like being on the subway and seeing like a sign one day that said like, freelancers insurance. And I was like, yes. Yes. I know. <laughs> I had that too. <laughs> in that same moment. What is this what? you say? Yeah. Freelancers insurance? <laughs> Which is like not even really what we call ourselves, but we're like, it's close enough. It's close enough that I can, these people will understand me somehow. <laughs> I'm a freelancer. Yeah. <laughs> Can I be, please? I remember that, the freelancers union seeing the ads on the subway. It was like a godsend. You're like, maybe this is something. 
Yeah. I was in the, <laughs> I was, I talk about this, like, there was a moment when you're in this kind of accident. So I had the 10 broken ribs and my arm, my lung, and they didn't know what else. And they wrapped me up in this thing that's like a burrito. I love, I love they didn't know what else. That's a great setup. <laughs> well, I'm sure they didn't. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. when I got to the trauma <laughs> unit, they were like, they were like, I have a broken collarbone. And they were, they thought it was recent. They were like, is that, they were starting to treat it. I go, I had to be like, that's 20 years old. They were just like all over. Because wow. they don't know. Anyway, I'm wrapped up in this burrito thing. Like they just wrap up your whole body. It's like I can't move a muscle. And I'm oh laying gosh. in the oh ambulance just like I have a neck brace on and all I can move are my eyes and my mouth. And the guy is like reading me questions. And I just, for whatever reason, it's like my mind is on fire. I don't know if it's the adrenaline, but I, I'm like, I can answer any question right now. And I'm like, just challenge. And in the act, and he asked about my health insurance and I say it. And he goes, and it's it's apparently just in New York. And he goes, I never heard of that. And I just remember laying in the ambulance going, I am in trouble. Oh, my God. This guy has never heard of my health insurance. And um, in the joke, I just say, just leave me here. I'll just live in this thing forever. I can pay cash for this oh thing. Oh, my God, that's so funny. But it's terrifying. Well, because... I think I want to say my insurance is SAG, and and so it's like Blue Cross, Blue Shield, like Anthem or something like that. Yeah. But I have to say, like, it's after years of having like yeah. non-existent weight, yeah. the same thing you're describing, which yes. is like I don't think that's health insurance. <laughs> yeah. Like when you go to the doctor, <laughs> yeah. like we definitely don't take that. Like yeah. you have any cash on you? <laughs> When you have the thing that says Blue Cross, it makes you so proud of being yeah. part of a corporation. Yeah. You're like, we demonize these corporations, but then you're like, Blue Cross. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with the big guys. Like a backstage pass. Yes. <laughs> Just a, it's a backstage pass for the hospital. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, that's, that's worth funny. trying. All right. Yeah. I, would, I might throw that in. Yeah. I mean, the insurance thing's a riot. It's crazy. I, it was one of the first phone calls I made. I made a phone call to the health insurance company before, while I was laying in the hospital waiting for surgery, waiting for emergency surgery. Yeah. I called them to go, I don't care, just pay the deductible because oh I gosh. want this. Like, Yeah, to get it to yeah. get the surgery again. It's so stressful. Yeah. Um, it's, almost, it's funny. It's almost like you, you yeah, you, <laughs> the insurance... I had in my 20s when I had you know I had, had I had had cancer the looks that they would give you when you would try to go to a doctor I know were were as though you had written down the word insurance on a piece of paper and handed it to them and said this is my card and they're, just, they're like that no 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 that's not how insurance works this, where does this work <laughs> Surely, surely this is a company of some kind. But you're desperate. Like, yes. Well, you're so desperate when you don't have health insurance. You're on the subway, which is, you know, the sign is basically next to a sign that's like, you know, we'll fix your teeth for 40 bucks. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. The, the sign, that the, yeah. the most ridiculous kind of like con artist, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, yeah. you'll never have acne again, 13 bucks. You know what I mean? Right. Dr. Z, whatever the thing is. And then it's like, and you're like, well, that's bullshit, but yeah. this thing's real. This is, this is health insurance. <laughs> this no, I'm sure of it. Freelancers. I'm freelancer. 
<laughs> That's how con men work. They prey upon <laughs> of your desperation. Of course. We need this thing. It's so scary to not have it. Yeah. That's really what you realize is you have to be your own advocate. Like there's no other yes. way out. Like you have to be. Yes. Like, when you're in the hospital laying there, like you have these moments where you're like, like my ribs were all broken up and I just didn't feel good about it. When I got out of the hospital, I was like, I know there's nothing I can do, but it just feels like there's, I need more information. So I went back and they sent me to another specialist. They did a CT scan and immediately this uh, thoracic surgeon was like, you can't travel for eight weeks. Oh my God. And I'm like, oh, they told me like three. And she's like, no, it's because of your lung. It needs to heal. And I'm like, well, I'm glad I didn't fly. Wow. I mean, she's like, you'd probably be okay, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So uh, you're not going to fly until I see an x-ray at eight weeks. And it's like, that it, wouldn't... Because you know, your lung would have collapsed or could have collapsed? Just because why? it was injured and, yeah, and it, because of the pressure on the airplane. Yeah. It, it wasn't, wouldn't be able to handle that. Yeah. And... Oh, this, this, this hacky comic is doing uh, lung collapse on the airline jokes again. <laughs> This guy, we've heard it. I felt like my lung collapsed when I ate that food. <laughs> Working It Out is brought to you in part by GameTime.co. That's not GameTime.com. I don't know. That's a whole other thing. GameTime.co is a, a site where you can get the best tickets for events, sports events, concerts. This is a thing that I'm obsessed with. I don't know about you, but I'm very experience-based, especially if I'm bringing my family. I just want to make sure that the seats are good and I can see everything. And I just think this is a great site. It's an amazing interface, last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, Views from all seats in the venue. Lowest price guaranteed, event cancellation protection, job loss protection. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use the code WIO, that's for working it out. That's WIO for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code WIO for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Working It Out is brought to you in part by Liquid IV. We're thrilled to have them as a sponsor. You don't need to be an athlete to need extra hydration through your day. Sometimes you forget to drink water. So it's, it's perfect for that. It's great for me because I, I really have to stay hydrated. And it's great for long travel days, which is so much of my, uh, my touring life. There's a very popular product among the staff of Working It Out. My brother Joe said, it's a great alternative to coffee in the afternoon when I want to pick me up. It's sweet, but it's only got 45 calories. It's a great thing to have in the office. Grab your liquid IV hydration multiplier, sugar-free, in bulk, nationwide at Costco, or you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WORKING for working it out. WORKING is the word, W-O-R-K-I-N-G at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop. Better hydration today using promo code WORKING. When you tell your story, what's the most extreme reaction you've had from an audience member coming up to you after a show? 
I had a woman uh, in Idaho Falls, actually, who I was doing a lot of crowd work. And she, a lot of people were just kind of talking and it was fine. But she stood up and said, I lost a son as a pedestrian in an auto accident. And I'm just so grateful that your mom was there to be with you. She stood up and said it in the audience. And it went like, and I didn't know how to handle it, really. I mean, it was like I had so many emotions because, first of all, I was alive. And um, the pain that I knew she was just to uh, a son is what she said. So it was like. I just immediately felt empathy, but I'm at a comedy show. It's yeah. a strange dynamic. Yeah. And it got very quiet. And so I just I just tried to ask her as little about it as I could without getting detail, but letting her speak and just said, I'm so sorry. Wow. I'm so, so sorry that happened. Wow. And... Um, if I can, I would love to talk to you after the show. Yeah. And I had, I was able to meet them and become friends with the, this couple. They're very sweet people. Mm. They live in Boise. They had driven like six hours to the oh show. Oh, gosh. So now we're friends and, and, um, but, you know, we went to breakfast together the next day. Aww. But it was just, uh. It is interesting because it's like, like I was saying, that was very specific. The husband had to leave the show because he couldn't handle it, which yeah. I understand. And I, they they didn't know how much I was going to talk about this, yeah. you know. And um, and honestly, if I was in a show and someone was talking about getting hit by a bus for half an hour, yeah, I might have to leave. Yeah, like, of course. You know, yeah. I, I, I even now when I'm talking about it, there are moments where I'm like, I'll have a little flash of like, that was real. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. joking, but it's like, that was real. Yeah. I have that sometimes with sleepwalking. I bet. Where right before I fall asleep, I have a flash of like, oh, yeah, that could happen. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I don't even like to talk about it. It's like I, I flash back to that. I flash back to dreams that I've had in my life where, hitting my head against something or this or that. And I fear, what if I'm having that? And I wake up and it's real. It's weird, right? It's weird to talk about those things on stage because it's almost like I click into another place and I'm like, okay, this, right. is, I'm just, this is the material. I'm thinking about the lines. But then every once in a while it just flashes in where you're like, oh yeah, that was, that was real. But um, sometimes I have that with my show with Old Man in the Pool where I'm talking about such embarrassing things. I'm talking about... You know, the, seeing the urologist when I was in high school and asking, like, in hindsight, the most embarrassing questions. And then on, on stage thinking, like, am I saying this to strangers? What am I doing? <laughs> I've had that, too. Yeah. You're like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm oversharing a little bit. But that, <laughs> but that story about the, the the woman saying that, I mean, it's so moving, but I think that that's worth talking about in the show. Certainly if you're going to let it go to an emotional place because I think it it shows versus tells, which is always I think what we're trying to do as storytellers. It shows versus tells the power of comedy and storytelling, which is to right. say that you told your story that opens up, and she tells her story that yeah. where she opens up, and yeah. and that's 
that uh, has a degree of healing that's right. worth talking about. Right. Yeah, that's true. I do think generally it's been healthy for me to talk about it. Yeah. Do you feel the same about the things that you've talked about? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I do. I think I'm better for having written all this material and talked about it than if I hadn't. I'd be so bottled up about it and so it would just feel so unnatural because comedy is such a big part of me. It would be very strange to ignore it. How long did it take you to talk about it after it happened? I didn't get I wasn't able to physically like work for three months. And the first thing I did back, what actually wasn't stand-up, it was I... Uh, I wrote for Amy at the Oscars. Oh, for Amy Schumer, yeah. 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 And so that was like a couple weeks. And then when I got back in April, I really started to get on stage. I would got on stage a couple times maybe before that. But I was... Uh, and I, but I talked about it the first time I got back on stage wow. immediately because it just felt like impossible not to. Yeah. It was just like I looked strange. Like yeah. it was obvious that I was hurt. I think. I mean, maybe you, I could have played it off, but it it was just all occupying. So it would have been impossible not to talk about it, I yeah. think. I fiercely, as a fan of yours, as a friend of yours, fiercely believe that you should do an hour on the experience, but with digressions into other yeah. stuff. I mean, I, I'm at like 25 minutes, 30 minutes without any kind of digressions at all. I haven't talked about physical therapy. I haven't talked about the time living in L.A. with my mom in a hotel for a month. Yeah. I haven't talked about wow, that's, the recovery. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting because I've, I say like my mom, she had to come be with me. I couldn't do it alone. I was so grateful to her, but it was like we started over. It's like she's taking care of me again. Oh my gosh. And I'm, I'm an adult. It yeah. was like, but I'm helpless. I'm like a child. So it was like, right. it's like we started over again. We're going to pick up right where we left off when I was 10. Wow. Oh, yeah. You realize things about your dynamic that you didn't know? It was weird. I was in so such a weird headspace and in pain and all of that. But my dad had... <laughs> Just to add more, my dad had passed away a year before my accident. And so my mom had taken care of my dad because of his health concerns for a long time. So she kind of moved into, like, it was natural for her to take care of someone. And then I kind of fell into my dad's role a little bit, I felt like. It was just interesting. Like, I remember having conversations with my mom about my siblings feeling like, this is what my dad would say right now, I think. It was wow. interesting. That is fascinating. But I also, because I'd, I'd just gone through COVID with my dad and then he passed, it was like I knew how valuable this time with my mom was Yeah. also. Yeah. Even though I was recovering and like it was a strange period, it was like I did, there was part of me, there was another level of me where it's like this is rare and this is a valuable thing that I'm getting. Right. That's That's actually I think one of the things that, you get from pain and painful experiences is you do get in clearer focus how lucky you are to have the thing you have. Oh, man. My parents had COVID twice this year, and it definitely zeroed me in on like, okay, yeah. and they're in their 80s. I'm like, right. okay, right. well, what we have is we're very yes. lucky. Yeah. We have this. 
Yeah. In a way, I felt like I went to my own funeral or something. Oh, my gosh. Because it was like I just heard from so many people who didn't know what was going on. And all I could think was, I just want my life back. I would give everything I have, just everything, just to get, I would start over just if I could get back to it. Yeah. But life's weird. And then you get into your life and it's, that was the thing that I tell people, they go, what what did you learn? And I just want to say that the the thing that I learned, I think, is that um, to, to, when you go back to your life, you, you, I, I just don't want to forget. Like, it's weird. Yeah. Like, because, like, I went through all that with my dad and realized how lucky I had and all the stuff I had. And then I had this profound moment because it was like, not a, it was like a year and two weeks since my dad that I was laying in the hospital. Oh my gosh. And I was like, I had this weird feeling where it all came back where it's like, oh, this is the same feeling I had a year ago where I said, don't forget this. Oh, wow. And then I'm like, I forgot already. It's like, and because those two things happened a year apart, it just made me go, really, really don't forget. You know? <laughs> really, really don't forget. Really, really this no, time. No, this time for real. <laughs> yes. For real. We're going to do it again. This time for real. That's how it felt. Yes. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate it, everybody. We're going to do it one more time. We're going to, this, this is going to be the circle take. The, no, but it's it's in my show. I talk about how Warren Zevon said, on you know, as he was dying of uh, terminal lung cancer to David Letterman, he said, enjoy every sandwich. Right, right, and, right. But the enjoy every sandwich thing, it's like, for me, I feel like a lot, a metaphor for what you're describing, which is like having everything taken away uh, and, 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 and appreciating what you have or what you used to have is, I think, COVID for a lot of people. Yeah, so, sure. So for me, like the biggest thing was, and you're a part of this, is I used to go to the comedy cellar a few nights a week and it right. was this very casual part of my life and I'd have a salad and a chicken kebab with and with friends who are yeah. comedians and I'd yeah. go on stage a few times and yeah. watch other comedians and you and I would kick around joke ideas, other other comedian friends. And then when it was gone, holy cow. Yeah. When we couldn't go yeah, in. I know. I mean, I, I'm like, I'm getting choked up thinking about it. Like, I, know. I I realized how significant it was in my life just to be with other comedians. It's, feel, it's like, the, I feel like they're the people who speak the language that I speak. Yeah. It's, it's such a supportive group of people too, at the same time. It's like, yeah, it's really interesting um, dynamic. And even people I don't know that like it's a small group, but there's like we all kind of feel like we know each other because we've seen each other. We have a lot of common yeah. friends. And even if I go to L.A. and see people I've never met before, whatever, I do feel a certain level of like support from even strangers. Mm-hmm. It's really a strong community. Working It Out is supported by Masterclass. We are thrilled to be supported by Masterclass. It's a streaming platform that makes it possible for anyone to watch or listen to hundreds of video lessons taught by more than 150 of the world's best. So, for example, Working It Out listeners might be interested in filmmakers or writers 
like David Sedaris, Issa Rae, Martin Scorsese, Warner Herzog, Malcolm Gladwell, and more. Margaret Atwood teaches creative writing. Amy Tan teaches fiction, memory, and imagination. That sounds fantastic. Whether you're watching Masterclass on TV, listening in audio mode, or in the app, or on their site, the quality speaks for itself. This holiday season, give one annual membership and get one free at masterclass.com slash perbigs. Right now, you can get two memberships for the price of one at masterclass.com slash perbigs. Masterclass.com slash perbigs. Offer terms apply. Working It Out is brought to you in part by Helix Mattresses. Helix is uh, our original sponsor. I want to say they were our first or second sponsor ever in the Working It Out history three years ago. Uh, it's an awesome company. They make phenomenal mattresses. The new one that we're, we, I wanted to tell you about is called the Helix Elite. They've harnessed years of extensive mattress expertise to bring their customers an elevated sleep experience. The Elite Collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. Every Helix Elite mattress comes with a 15-year manufacturer's warranty and the same 100-night trial as the rest of Helix mattresses. Working it out, listeners, uh, get 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows. For our working it out listeners, go to helixsleep.com slash perbigs, promo code HELIXPARTNER. This is their best offer yet, and it will not last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. We're going to have to keep the slow round for next time because I'm going to go straight to material because I, I can't have you here and not work on material. <laughs> this is what I wrote down because I haven't even put this on stage. I have an injury. Like my left shoulder, I broke like 12 years ago. And so I'll go for physical therapy and massage therapy and things. And I was in another city on tour in the fall. And I went to this massage therapist named George. And I told him, uh, about my shoulder, I can't really move it. I don't have full mobility. And I showed him the mobility and he started moving it around in ways uh, that made me scared that he was not hearing me. (laughs) (laughs) And then he he said, by the way, this is like, this is a section of the show called From the Notebook. I mean, this is not audience tested material. This is just the story. This is me writing down my notebook when it happened. Uh, so I don't have all the jokes yet, but he said to me, in my country, there's a saying that God, and I thought, oh, no. Because <laughs> I thought, I'm not sure I believe in God, and I definitely don't believe in George. And partly because George is very proud of George. Like, he's very, like, this buff, ancient Greek warrior body guy. And he goes, we have a saying that God gives us our bodies but doesn't put them back together. And I said, what's that again? <laughs> and then he says it again. I still have no idea what he's talking about. And I have to figure it out. So I say, I'm trying to, like, understand his accent. I go, are you from Greece? And he goes, Romania. And then he says, some people say I'm magic. They come in, they say, George, you fixed me. And now I'm even more nervous because <laughs> I don't believe in God or magic. <laughs> and I, I, don't, I still don't believe in George. And I'm not sure his story is even true about these people. I don't think anyone said he's magic. And George works on my shoulder at the end of it. He sits me up and says, how does your shoulder feel? And I said, it's magic, George. You fixed me. <laughs> 
That's great. <laughs> a nice, a nice little vignette. <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. I've been wrestling with this injury forever, and I've and I've written down a lot of different little vignettes like this. Yeah, like George. Yeah. So he's. What kind of doctor is he? Oh, he's just a massage therapist. A massage. And he's just very, this, I mean, it almost looked like he was straight out of a movie about like the Roman Empire or something. Right. You know, like, this is a very unique character. <laughs> he looks like God gave him his body. Yes, that's right. That's a good point. Yeah. Right. There is some trust. Yeah. When someone evokes God and they look a little bit like a Greek God. <laughs> This is how you put your body back together. Now, I can help you put yours back together. That's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. You want you want a body like this? You want a body like this? I can get you set up. The, the, you know what's funny? I didn't even, didn't even make this connection. I've been reading, my daughter's been reading about like Greek gods. And so I picked mm-hmm. up, a, my wife and I picked up a book about Greek gods that like grownups and kids can read together. Oh, and I'm cool. reading the Greek gods yeah. book, realizing yeah. how little I know. I know. I mean, there's so much. My God, do I know nothing? Yeah, I know. You ever, you ever read a book and you think, you, you pick it up and you think like, I'll know some of this stuff, <laughs> and then, and then you're going every sentence. You're going, well, that's new. <laughs> Well, that's no. I didn't know that. You yeah. don't know anything. Yeah, that's yeah. Greek gods. Yes, I know. But but the thing about the Greek gods that drives me nuts is when you have a, you have a daughter. My daughter, seven and a half years old. It's like the most sexist. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. It's like there's this god and then his nymphs. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> so where does if you're a girl, where do you see yourself in this story? Are you the god or are you the nymph? Right, right. Um, yeah. And it's kind of, you know, it's troubling. Of course, and of yeah, course everything of course. You know, for for centuries and yeah. millennia there's uh there's misogyny and I'm like where do you begin? A lot of these gods are about to get canceled, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're, t- you're telling me? I mean, they've had it too good for oh, too they, long. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, clearly, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Mount Olympus is not. Uh, <laughs> it's not as oh high. My God. Um, Dude, that is so funny. <laughs> Some of these gods are going to get canceled, and they should. I Some mean, the, I read a Vulture article <laughs> about. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a good god. I read that Vulture article about Poseidon. It's pretty cut and dry. <laughs> I know you play Idaho a lot. Yeah. I had this Boise, Idaho story, because I love Boise. Yeah, Boise's great. Um, People don't realize, I get so many requests to perform in Boise. People in Boise, I don't think they realize, this is not a joke, their town is so popular it's hard to get availability at their theater. You can't get a venue there. I've been it, trying to get. It's uh, wild. Yeah, people are mad at me because me I haven't been there for so long. No, I, yeah, I get these, yeah. con- I get these yeah. constant comments. Yeah. How come you don't come to Boise? I'm trying to. I'm on the phone with my agent. How come you can't? I know we can't play Boise. It's weird. It's a weird problem that doesn't exist in a lot of markets. No, what is happening there? They need to build a theater. They yeah. need to build another they theater. They need another one. There's demand. Whoever's building these things. Okay, so one of the things that I do. When I'm traveling, I'm sure you do this a little bit too. Is like try to get to the town a little bit early, experience the town a little bit, mention it up top. Yeah, it's yeah. like a nice like way yes. to to yeah. be, feel like you're part of the town. Yeah. And every now and then, I find myself in a jam, and 
miss my flight or whatever it is. So one time I went to Boise and I get there two hours before the show. So I have no experience of the town whatsoever. Right. <laughs> and I say to my tour manager, I go, what did you do today? Because he got there the night before. He goes, I went to this great place for breakfast called Goldie's. They told me the wait would be an hour, but it actually only took 20 minutes. And I go, that's a cocky restaurant. Pull it back, Goldie's. <laughs> and he laughed. And I walked on stage. I said, this, this morning I went to Goldie's. <laughs> <laughs> they said it was an hour wait. It was only 20 minutes. And then I did the punchline. It got a laugh. And it was as though I had gone to Goldie's. Yeah. So here's where it gets bad. Next morning, I wake up. I ask for directions at the front desk to Goldie's. Hotel clerk goes, thought you ate there yesterday. Oh. And I thought, it's a pretty small town. <laughs> I'm used to lying in larger cities. <laughs> Even as I say this, I'm lying about how witty I was in that moment. I wasn't witty. I was groggy. I hadn't drank my coffees from Goldie's yet, which I may or may not have drunk eventually. <laughs> that's like a fun. That's, that's great. Like a fun little. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a funny little thing. It the lying in a small town is like to me the crux of that thing. That's really, I think, meaty. Yeah. Um, That's maybe worth tying back to, obviously, you grew up in a small town. I grew up in a small town, too. Shrewsbury, Mass. is like, you know, or at least when I grew up there, it was 25,000 people. It's probably grown. But but it definitely didn't feel like you could keep a secret in that town. Right, right. Yeah. Unless you're a priest, in which case, (laughs) man, were there secrets. (laughs) 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 Kept by all, apparently. You want to learn how to lie? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, but that's a funny, that's a funny angle. Just getting caught, having yeah. no, no, not even thinking that it would be, there would be any repercussion. And yeah. then all of a sudden blowback. Yeah. And you just see it. I mean, that's sort of, and, and oddly, you know, that's sort of the internet in a certain way now. Yeah. Where right. it's like, if I post something saying, you know. I yeah. love Salt Lake City. Yeah. Well, there's another tweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> from 15 years ago that someone screenshots and goes, oh, actually, yeah. here, was a, here was another feeling you had about Salt Lake he City. He had a different take. <laughs> um, what if you went back? Crazy is the internet. What? Yeah, that's funny. What if you went back to Goldie's and they're like, oh, it's a two-hour wait. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's funny. They stick it to you. Everybody knows that you've been to Goldie's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. Happens again. Um, Do you have anything that you want to Let me see. I'm working on a line in the bus stuff. I don't really know how. I just kind of tell the story about um, when I was in the hotel with my mom, I couldn't watch anything. And anything with impact, any action thing, and really anything on TV was giving me anxiety. But I finally was like, we're going crazy. We need to watch something. I got to get over this. So Muppets Take Manhattan <laughs> I love it. was next on the hotel. So we watched Muppets Take And this is really all I have. But the entire crux of the Muppets Take Manhattan hinges on Kermit the Frog getting hit by a taxi cab. That's right. Oh, my God. In Manhattan. This is shocking. So I... This is shocking. The first thing... And getting tried, amnesia. Yeah. So the whole film is about... The Muppets trying to find <laughs> Kermit. Oh, God. <laughs> because he has a big show on Broadway. This is wild. 
And and this is the first thing that I try to watch. After being hit by And I bus. can't even watch Muppets oh my Take gosh. Manhattan. In, you were triggered by the Muppets. Well, it was just like, I mean, there is the actual <laughs> visual of Kermit getting hit, which is quite violent. Yes. And, um, but also just, it was very discouraging because it was like, at the time, now it's kind of funny, but at the time it was like, I can't even watch the Muppets. Like, how am I going to get over oh my gosh. this? <laughs> wow. Yes. But I don't know how to expand that. I, I yeah. Mean, that's, that's, and then that's I turn on the Teletubbies. <laughs> I couldn't handle that either. I couldn't even. Because I was purple. <laughs> Everything. Everything on my body was purple. <laughs> The last thing that we do is uh, working it out for a cause. And if there's a nonprofit that you think is doing a good job, then I'll, uh, we'll contribute to them oh, and we'll great. link to them in the show notes. Okay. I do a lot of work for um, Scott Hamilton's Cancer Research Foundation. My father died from esophageal cancer. And I connected with these guys when my dad was going through treatment. I did a, 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 an event with Scott. He's an Olympic athlete. He's an ice skater. And that this I grew is Scott up. ScottHamiltonCares.org. I'm looking yeah. at it right now. This looks like a great, a yeah. great organization. They do. So I I do some shows with them a couple times a year. And they're just great people and they're doing a lot of good research. That's great. We're gonna contribute to ScottCares.org. Cool. And uh, we'll link to them in the show notes and hopefully People consider contributing as well. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ryan. This is yeah. kind of awesome. Thank you. We'll have to have you back, and we'll, we'll I, I want to keep hearing about the show and the progress <laughs> of the show because obviously you're one of my favorite comedians. Oh, and that's I, nice. I, 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 I'm really dying to see where where it goes. Well, it was a pleasure to talk to you. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Working it out because it's not done. Working it out because there's no. That's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out. I love Ryan Hamilton. Go see go see that fella live if you can. Watch his special happy face on Netflix. You can follow him on Instagram, Ryan Hamilton. Uh, and you can see me, uh, my stuff, at, uh, in Utah at Kingsbury Hall on, Mar- on March 17th or Mesa Art Center, March 16th. Um, our producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Berbiglia. Associate producer Mabel Lewis, consulting producer Seth Barish, assistant producers Gary Simons and Lucy Jones, sound mixed by Shub Saren, supervising engineer Kate Belinsky, special thanks to Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Upfall, my consigliere is Mike Berkowitz, special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music, special thanks to J-Hope Stein, my wife, the poet, her book Little Astronaut is in bookstores now. Special thanks to my daughter, Una, who built the original radio fort made of pillows for the podcast. Thanks most of all to you who are listening. Thank you for all the great feedback and comments on Apple Podcasts. If you have 45 seconds, (laughs) help us out and and spread the word on there that we exist in this this sea of podcasts. But we care so much about ours and we work so hard to... To, to, uh, to make it nice and, and tidy and, and sound real nice and bring the best guests like Brian Hamilton. Uh, thanks most of all to you who are listening. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, in the spirit of Salt Lake City, tell your enemies, and then also tell them about Mormonism. You know, there's a lot, 
there's a lot more complexity. As I as I always say, the book is always better. <laughs> See you next time, everybody. <laughs> Working it out. <laughs>